Welcome back, Sens fans. This is the New Era Sens podcast. Uh, I'm Jacob, and I'm here with Jordan, as per usual. How you doing, Jordan? Doing good. Can't complain. Kind of low-key glad that the playoffs are over so the offseason can get going. Yeah, I'm feeling – I don't know. I think I feel the opposite. I miss hockey already, even though oh. we were only seeing a little bit of it in two teams I couldn't care less about. Um, yeah, fair. It, it, it was fun to watch. It was it was hockey, <clears throat> so um, nonetheless, oh, sure. yeah. We're in off-season mode now, so uh, all the GMs are going to be busy uh, the next few weeks. There's the expansion mm-hmm. draft, obviously, um, the entry draft, and free agency all in the next, I think, three weeks. So, Something like yeah, that, yeah, pretty wild. Um, so, first off, let's start off by congratulating the Tampa Bay Lightning on uh, their Stanley Cup victory. They, Whether you think they were cheating with the cap or whatever your opinion is on that, they have a fantastic team. Nobody's surprised. Um, congratulations to them. They did it. Uh, Pat Maroon yeah. is a dynasty. That's amazing. They first got to win three straight cups since I think the Islanders dynasty of like the late or like the eighties or something like that. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah, but and, good, good and, for Patty Maroon. Oh yeah, and he is one of those guys that yeah he's a league min deal, but he's a very very effective part of all three of the championship teams. So um, Tampa Bay has a huge off season ahead of them too. Um, what are they going to do with guys like uh, Kalorn, Gord, uh, Johnson, all that. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do too, but uh, they definitely gave Montreal a run for their money. And I really wish Montreal could have made more of a series of it. Um, the last couple games were a lot closer, uh, especially without Kopp and Yemi, which is good news for Sens fans. <laughs> But no, um, like Tampa's Tampa's the best team in remaining in the playoffs. Like they deserve to win. And I don't see it as cap circumvention or like cheating or anything. It's a loophole in the rules. And yeah, you can complain about it being a dumb loophole, which I think it is. But as long as it's there, exploit it all you want. You're being a good GM to make your team as best as you can. So props off to Breeze Broad doing that. Tampa is an amazing team. But we'll see how they handle the expansion draft. And like I believe right now they're already like four million. Five million over the cap with only seventeen guys signed, so they have to yep. get rid of a few players now. Yeah, I, I expect to see kind of a a big move that just gets rid of a ton of money all at once, just get it all over with. Um, so I could see something like a, a Gord and a Johnson, and maybe even throw Calfoot in there for a sweetener to take the mm-hmm. on, uh, take the money on, and like a second round pick for not much from anybody. Um, maybe something that'll help them, but is cheap. Um, just, yeah, they won't get a ton of value back for any of their guys. And like, we saw this with Johnson last year. I think Johnson is a player that if let's say Boston put him on waivers, he was on Boston all year and they were trying to get rid of him. He would have got claimed on waivers. No problem. People just don't want to help Tampa. So like, I, I think Tyler Johnson, I think he makes 5.3 or just 5 million or something. I think Um, it's just five flat. Yeah, and the next like, three years, I think th- that's a bit much, but I mean, like, we pay Colin White almost that, and they're yeah. very similar players. Like, it's not a horrendous contract or anything. So, I-, I don't know. I think Johnson could be valuable to any team that will take him on and help Tampa, but I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to see because he was kind of buried because obviously he's behind Point and Sorelli at center, and then <clears throat> Gord is just like he was such a perfect fit, and even his contract. It's more than Colin White's. And you look at Gord's numbers, like it's just as raw points, and it's nothing too impressive. But everyone knows Gord's a hell of a player. So Johnson, I could see being like having a bounce back 
because he hasn't had the best last two seasons. But he could be the type of guy that if he gets an elevated role, like as a second line center in like I don't know Detroit or even Seattle or something, that he yeah. could bounce back and make it a bit more of a fair contract. Yeah, exactly. And like you look down the depth chart a little bit more, and they have Kalorn making four point four, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that's one that they really want to keep because that's obviously the lowest of those three names that we were talking about. Uh, and I I think he's one of the more effective guys. Like he's just like any of them really he can play up and down the lineup but uh especially with that cheaper dollar value and uh maybe even just a little different of a skill set maybe not even better or worse uh i, mm-hmm. I do think that tampa tries to keep cologne yeah i know like cologne and like plot i think they're both i have their account friendly open right now i think they're both signed for just one more year yeah no. so both of them are like they're positive attributes like they're not gonna have to sweeten to get rid of those guys because they are good players and teams will want them. They may get them for not as much, like how Nate Schmidt went for a third round pick last year, something like that. But it's not they're not gonna sweeten to get rid of those guys. They're good players. The one I'm looking at that is interesting is Ryan McDonough. Yep. Good player and had amazing playoffs. He signed for six point seven five for the next five years, and he's already thirty two. I think he turns thirty three. So that's a guy it's like Good right now, but how's it going to be in four years? Yeah, and this is one of those players that, I, and I've been thinking about tweeting this, but it's nobody else tweeted it, so I'm wrong. So everybody's going to hate on me for it. But, like <laughs> yeah. McDonough, it, Tampa doesn't want to get rid of anybody, but they're going to have to. Oh no, and they have to. McDonough, of all the people that they're going to potentially get rid of, McDonough makes the most money. He also arguably plays the biggest role of all the players that might be available. So it, it's really tough to put a price on that and put uh, value on it. But I think McDonough is one piece that they really want to keep. I think moving a guy like uh, even Cernak or even Sergachev before McDonough. But like you said, that five years uh, at 32 years old is kind of the, what will tip the scales. So I, I don't know, like everything about Tampa's off season, they just, it's a big question mark. <clears throat> Yeah, for sure. I'm even looking at someone like Stamkos, like with his injury problems at 8.5. He kind of just feels like an odd man out on this team now. I know he's the captain. He's still a great player and healthy. But you look at all the young guys coming up, and it's like you get rid of Stamkos, and you'll get some really good assets for him. And that's 8.5. That's your cap situation fixed. And yep, with one absolutely. guy, then you you can keep Gord, Johnson, Plot, McDonough, and everyone. So it's going to yeah. be very interesting to watch what Three Squad does because there's a few options they can do. They're still going to be amazing next year. Oh, 100 percent. You you could well, you could put Kucherov on LTIR all year, and they would still win the <laughs> like the Kal- <laughs> just got a rod put in his leg. Maybe he's going to be an LTR now. Yeah, and that- did you see? So that was between game two and three that he had that surgery, and he wanted to play game four and five. What like, a maniac! That is ridiculous. That would hurt so much. Like I know a guy that got rod in his leg, and he was just useless for like two months. Yeah. I, like, so I don't know how that huge guy props to Kalorn. Yeah, oh, sure. Huge props to that whole team for just sticking together and like they just played fantastic hockey the whole the whole playoffs. Like every series, I wanted to watch the Tampa series. So oh, it was so fun. Like all their series, like the Florida series was a, it was amazing. Carolina was fun. Uh, Islanders was way more fun than I thought because Islanders kind of seen as a boring team, but that was a really good series. And Montreal was probably the least exciting other than the Stanley Cup final aspect. But yep. it's like, I, yeah, I like to see more of a competitive cup final, but I also like seeing Montreal lose as a Sens fan. So I'm happy <laughs> yeah. either way. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a win-win if as long as Tampa took <laughs> it home. So. Yeah, as long as Tampa um, won in the end, yeah. 
and that's the thing. Like, I haven't seen anybody talking about this either, but now that we're talking about it, did Tampa have, other than the finals, did Tampa have the hardest route to the finals? I, th I'm th I think they did, because Florida in the first round finished ahead of them. They were a very good team, and that was such a physical series. They wanted to kill each other. And Carolina, I think, was once they won the division, yep. and they had to go through Carolina. And then Islanders, like, I think they, they were like – 10th or something in the league but they made like they played each other in the last in the semifinals last year and that's yeah. a very trots team that's very defensive and physical and knows how to win and then you got montreal who just had like pixie dust magic that just couldn't be beaten <laughs> in like 98 percent power or penalty kill or whatever it was yeah so like it like i think they had by far the hardest route to the to win the cup and they made it look easy yeah and like that's crazy to think to say that probably the favorites going into the season at least and even the playoffs for many people had the hardest route there you'd think whoever they play have the hardest but you know it, it's it's weird to think of it that way but it's true yeah so props to tampa well deserved it's always good to see the best team win you like the cinderella stories when it's not montreal but it's it, when the best team wins it makes you feel good and building up to like what hopefully ottawa can get to in a few years it's like okay the best teams do win the cup when they put the effort in yeah exactly so which is awesome to see so props to them um i i do and this is gonna hurt me but i do want to give a few shout outs to the to the habs team Boo. um like good on them for making it all the way there first off um and like Carey Price, that almost hurt to watch him lose. It was great to yeah, watch Montreal was... lose, but yeah, yeah. Like you can hate the team as much as you want, but the, the guys like Weber and Price, like they've been in the league for like fifteen plus years or whatever. Like this, this could have been their last chance to win, potentially win a cup. So seeing these old guys, like these veteran players, it's always heartbreaking. Then Gallagher looked devastated. Then he goes home to find out he was robbed. It's like I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, but it's like. That guy just went through hell in the playoffs, went to battle, like clearly hurts, and then goes home, which is like, oh, well, I guess my house is just ransacked. Like, you feel so bad for so many of these Habs fans. Or not the, not the fans, who cares about them, but the players. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, even like Corey Perry, this is a really weird one because especially as a Sens fan, I really hate Corey Perry. But yeah, ever since he came to Montreal and even Dallas last year, I really like Corey Perry, and I don't know why. Like, something just changed with his style of play over the last two, three years, maybe. Yeah, I think and as he's gotten older, like, he's not as – he's still a pest, but he doesn't have the skill to be out there 24-7. So he's yeah. in the limited role. And, like, you can hate a guy. And, like, I don't like that guy, but you still respect him. Yeah, exactly. Like, Corey Perry is one of those guys that he, – he's like an Austin Watson. I would love to have him, hate to play against him. And – yeah, so it hurt to see him lose as well. Um, it, I don't know. There was just a lot of things I liked about the Habs run. I, it just the fact that they were the Habs, I hated it. Yeah, for sure. Like if it was like I don't know, who was another underdog, like Minnesota or whatever, some other team that was like, hey, that's a fun story, then that'd be fun to follow and root for them. Which I usually yeah. root for the underdog in most things if it's not my team. But, but when it's Montreal, it's no. And I'm, yeah, I'm happy exactly. Josh Anderson's out of the playoffs so he can stop making me look like a fool. Every, <laughs> oh, every time we, I trash Josh Anderson, luck. he gets so – he, he's invisible for six games. And then I'm like, man, Josh Anderson kind of stinks right now. Then he gets two goals. It's like, oh, why? Yeah, we, we had a rough week on Twitter. We did. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, jo Josh Anderson must follow both of us with a burner. And, with a know, burner. He must have looked at them. On the bench. <laughs> 
Um, okay. But yeah, so we can kind of stick with the same topic, but move it to more broad. Uh, the Atlantic next year. So for the first time ever, there's going to be, I believe this is the first time ever, two teams in the finals are going to be in the same division the next year uh, for the second time in a row, actually. I think it's Dallas last year. Yeah. I guess this year. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the two Stanley Cup finalists in the same division next year. Um, Do we know if it's going to be just playing in your division or is it going to be the whole league-wide travel again? I think they're going to do their whole league-wide thing. Like, okay. It looks like Canada, like the vaccine stuff's going pretty well right now. Like, I think we're over 60% fully vaccinated at this moment. And the States is pretty close to that as well. So hopefully by September, October, most people are fully vaxxed so that everything's back to hopefully normal. So I think next year it should be like border crossing and similar divisions and like cross-divisional play should be back. Perfect. Um, so with that in mind, uh, what do you have, what do you think the Atlantic division is going to look like next year? So terrifying, terrifying. Yeah, it is. So maybe we could start at the bottom. Like who do you think is going to be at the bottom to the top of the division? Like it's, I feel bad for picking on Buffalo, but also I remember Buffalo's rivalry with Ottawa, so I don't really care too much. But Buffalo's last for me, like especially if they're getting rid of Reinhardt and or Eichel. I don't see how you're better in the short term with those two guys gone. Like maybe you get some really good prospects and young guys. Then a few years you're better. But next year, like I don't trust a without some free agency ads and who wants to go to Buffalo. But I don't see how like Dylan Cousins and Casey Middlestad are the top six centers in that team wins. Yeah, I I can't see it. Uh, at least not yet. They th- this team is weird because every year they're destined for a great future and they just don't take any steps forward ever. Like for the last 10 years. So. And usually take steps back somehow. Yeah. Um, and like you look at their scoring list and I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, Reinhardt with 25, I believe. Olofsson, great season for him. Yeah. Olafson with 13. And I believe it was Middlestad with 10. That was all of the players with more than nine goals on Buffalo. I am shocked that Ol- I thought Olsen had more, so that's shocking. But I'm also more shocked that Middlestat is a the only other guy with more than ten goals and had ten goals. Yeah, like nothing is right in Buffalo right now. Like I I don't know what you would even start with. So I I'm with you. They're, they finish at the bottom of the division for me, especially yeah. if they make all the moves that they're projected to over the next even few weeks. Yeah. Then next up, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say Detroit. And I think they're going to be better. I don't like pretend like I don't even think this year they're bottom five in the league. But I think next year they're going to take some steps. Like I think Mo Sider is going to be a full time NHL next year. Like he looks great. And then Lucas Raymond, I believe the plan for him to come over next year. Yeah. So then you got those guys, like Zadina, take a step, Lark in there. Sounds like they may trade Batuzzi. So that'd be interesting to see how that goes. But no, and then like Heronic's an underrated defenseman, and like I, this is not gonna be good, but they're gonna be not as bad. Is a fun way to say it, I guess. Like they, they have a bright future, and I think they're like kind of like a year behind what Ottawa is. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Think, so yeah. Yeah, I, I think Detroit, and see, it's really tough because I could see them. They have forty-eight million dollars in cap space. This year. Oh, they can go ham if they wanted to. They could sign Dougie Ham. They could do what Toronto wants to do every offseason and still have sign like the top five guys every year. Yeah, like they could almost literally probably I, I don't 
not going to do the math right now, but probably sign Hamilton, Hall, Landeskog, and I, I don't know, whoever they want, and still be at the floor. Like, I think the only, like, the biggest names they have to resign, uh, at least based off points, was Michael Rasmussen and Bobby Ryan. Yeah, like I think Bertuzzi's an RFA right now, but he was hurt pretty much all year, so I don't even know what he gets. Oh, yeah, he is an RFA. I thought that was next year. Yeah, he only um, played like five, like six games or something like that, and he had back surgery. Yeah, but like even so, those oh, three players, God. that's not even going to bring you to $10 million. Yeah, I'm looking at the cap friendly, and they have one, two, three, four, five, six forwards and three defensemen signed. Everyone else <laughs> is a UFA or an RFA. And all those UFA and RFAs aren't anything special. No, like, like looking I, at it. I don't it, know. Like, like, Rasmussen's probably the and Evgeny Svechnikov, I guess, the best RFAs. Like, Bobby Ryan had a good year. Yeah, and then on like, defense, Peronik's the big one there. Yeah. They, they don't have much to sign. Like, I know Michael Rasmussen, he's really underrated. Um, so he might get two, three, maybe four million if they're feeling with the, their deep pockets. Uh, but Bobby Ryan won't, won't make more than one and a half again, especially with his injury. Um, Evgeny Svechnikov won't make more than one and a half. And yeah, none Hironik, of these guys get big raises. So Hironik yeah, will. Yeah, Hironik might make three or four as well. Um, but like that, signing every single person is not even. You're still going to have forty million dollars to spend. Like it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They got to do. Obviously, they got to do something. So I, I don't know. It'll be really interesting. It, to interesting to watch. Do. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, so who do you have at fifth in the division? I think this or is where sixth. it gets re- this gets where it gets really interesting because I think there's like a clear like two three teams at the top for me at least. This is where six. I'm honestly probably going to say Montreal because I feel like Bergeron's going to do something really dumb and do what Dorian did after the 2017 run and be like, hey, we're close. Let's get Duchesne. The, the, this run from Montreal in 2017 from Ottawa seemed very similar, where they were kind of the underdogs. No one gave them the respect they may or may not have deserved. And then the offseason was like, we're contenders, and then they crash and burn. I could see Montreal doing something like that and going out and trading away a few futures, sign a few big-name guys, and it's like, oh, wait, now we still have like $40 million signed up in Asian vets. Because like that's the thing. Like Montreal is probably going to be a good team next year, but in a few years, I don't. I'm not too worried about them. They got good players, but Weber is signed for like seven more years or something dumb. Yeah. Price is getting older. Petrie, Gallagher, and Anderson—they're not going to age well. We don't know what's up with Druin, so yeah, no idea what Druin's up to. Like, I don't know if he's going to be back. So, yeah. like, I think I could see, and especially you see all the time, like Dallas last year. Like people were like, "Oh, they're going to make the playoffs in the Central," and then they didn't. Yeah, mind so you, I, they got hit by COVID pretty hard, but it, yeah, it, it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, but you see, like not even Dallas. Like, I'm sure if you go back and look at the last several years, like the the team that lost in the Cup Finals, it's not guaranteed to back in the playoffs. Like a lot of the time, you have these Cinderella runs, and people that think Montreal are lock are probably just Habs fans that just have their homework glasses on right now. Like they're going to be a good team, and they could easily make the playoffs still. Like this, like from here up, I wouldn't be shocked to see pretty much any team. Yeah, like it's gonna be really tight. The order can go anyway, and like even to connect this Habs run to our twenty seventeen run, uh, they're probably gonna lose either Edmondson or Sherratt, which are a big piece of their defense. Uh, just like we lost Mathot, so yeah, um, it, it, they're gonna take a step back next year. Obviously, um, this Habs team isn't gonna make the finals two years in a row, 
Uh, unless, the, like, the Cinderella run and the parody in the NHL, it can always happen. But yeah. they're not projected to make the finals or anything. So uh, I do see them kind of being a wild card team, maybe. Uh, I don't really know. So um, Yeah. And then, yeah, like, to follow up, like, you could switch Montreal and a guy of next. So that would be fifth. What one would be? Six, yeah. yeah, fifth would be I of Ottawa there. Yeah. So, and uh, you could flip-flop Montreal and Ottawa, and you're probably right. Like, I can't argue it. But especially the way Ottawa ended this last season, they were one of the hotter teams in the league, and they were never an easy out that people thought they were going to be. But and then you get, so you got all the young guys taking steps forward. You got like Sanderson coming in what like halfway through the season or whenever his season ends. Yep. Then you got potential offseason ads, so like they could go out and get the top six center. They can trade for a few guys, defensemen. They have enough cap space if they want to. They can make the team more competitive now. Hopefully, it's not like a step on good Branson type who's like, these are top six centers and top four. He's like, no, they're not. Don't do that again, Dorian, please. Yeah, that would be. Uh, that would be he, devastating. He did come out and say that he's done with the character guys. It's all about the the winning culture winning. now. So uh, yeah. that is really promising to hear. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> yeah, I think the biggest question mark for Ottawa next season is the goaltending. Because even though, like, Gustafson looked great. It was still a small sample size, and he's still young. Murray was injured a lot and very inconsistent. He looked good at the end of the year, but then he got hurt again. And then you got Forsberg, who's never been more than, like, an AHL starter, third-string backup-type guy. Even He played well, but that's his role. And then Decord, who was hurt most of the year and maybe goes to Seattle. So if goaltending's good, I think they have a good chance to make the playoffs. If it's shaky again, I think they may struggle. Yeah, hundred percent. And I don't remember if this was you and I talking about this or if it was Jack and I uh, doing the live streams after the game. But uh, at the end of the season, Matt Murray really did come in and make his uh, make a name for himself to be protected. And I, well, I don't think he does uh, at all. But he d- definitely did make a case for himself. So a, a really interesting factor because you just signed your goalie. Uh, this is obviously the guy you want. Uh, mm-hmm what do you do with them? You're probably going to protect Gustafson. That's the consensus, I think, in fans. Um, few people say Decord, but yeah, I haven't seen anybody saying protect Murray, and I I do think he deserves a little bit more credit. Yeah, I think he deserves credit, because like, he did have a really rough start to the year. It was like, he'd have a game like 9.35 save percentage. Awesome. Then he'd have an 8.50, and it went on like that for like 10 straight games. It was absurd. Then he got hurt, came back, and was great. Then he got hurt again. So I, I don't know what to expect from Murray. Hopefully working with Burke full time in the offseason, like he gets his game back and is a legit starter next year. Having said that, I still think you leave him exposed because Seattle has so many options in gold for next year, either through free agency or just the expansion draft. I don't see why they would commit six point six point two five for the next three years on Murray. Yeah, no, I, I do 100% agree. Um, but yeah, I, I think Murray could be valuable to Ottawa for sure. Oh, he's, he's our starter for sure. Like, people think, and they get rid of him. It's like, no, you sign the guy, you give him a chance in the full season when he's fully healthy. And, like, if we miss playoffs next year, it's not the end of the world. It's not playoffs to bust yet. But next year is expected to be, like, if we're in the bottom, like, basement again. Like, we weren't this year. I think we finished 22nd off the top of my head. Like, that's about where I was hoping to finish. Like, hopefully next year we're competitive for the playoffs. So if we're in that situation, we miss out by a bit. Like, I'm still happy with the season. So Murray just hopefully provides consistent, not Vesna-level goaltending, just, like, leave it. league average I'd be happy with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so who do you got it for? I have Boston. 
because I think they're going to take a step back. Uh, the people have been saying, I've been saying it for years. I've been saying it about Pittsburgh too, and I always get proven wrong, but it has to happen. And I will make this bet until it happens. Yep. But I'm looking at their team. Their defense is not great outside of Mac. McAvoy's amazing. He's a guy that could win a Norris in a few years. And then you got like Carlos good. Drizzlick's pretty solid. Riley's a guy that like Mike Riley, they could probably extend. Like he was a good fit there. Yep. But their goaltending is a big question mark. Both Rask and Halak are up. So do they bring one of them back like, and just go with Swayman? Or like do they find someone else, go Swayman Vladar? Like they have a lot of question marks in goal. And then you got Krejci, who I assume they're going to extend because I can't see him playing anywhere else. And he will sign for cheaper. And he's yep. still a productive center. And then, But there are four depth I'm not a big fan of. Unless they, if they extend Hall, then this could be all moves because Krejci played great with Hall. Yep. But yeah, then you got Bergeron and Marchand and you're older. So I think they're going to take like they're going to be a good team and I think a playoff team. But I think they're taking a step back next year. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I I have no idea at all. Like I couldn't even guess what they're going to do in Nets. Um, uh, there's been rumors about Rask retiring um, after this season. Mm-hmm. Nothing has been said about that in a while. Um, obviously, something happened last year in the bubble. And he wasn't, he wasn't the same Rask we know this year. Uh, he was pretty good, but I think he had, he might have had his career low this year. Overall, it's been a pretty high career average for stats. Um, so the buyer set pretty high, but I do think this was a career low for him for most stats. Um, so yeah, is it time to move on? Is it time to bring him back and let's let him back up Swayman maybe? Um, yeah, they got some questions. Net? Yeah, they got some questions, and I can't see Rask going anywhere else. It's he either resigns in Boston, which I never get why Boston fans hate him so much. Like it seems like he's like, go away, Tuca. We don't want you as a guy. Tuca's awesome. Yeah, but I see him. He's either back in Boston on like a cheap one, maybe two year deal, or he's just retiring back to Finland. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Boston for sure, uh, especially mm-hmm. like with Hall. Um, and there's been rumors about Nebraska on his way out of town. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they just got rid of Cache uh, over to um, Buffalo for Hall. Um, or no, sorry, that was Anders Bjork. Sorry. Yeah, it's Bjork. Um, they still have Cache under yeah. the contracts for next season, I think, uh, or he's an RFA. But either way, like they do have some of the young guys. Obviously, they're probably still hoping for Zaboral and Seneshin to kind of to pop do something. a little bit. Um, just like we are with Logan Brown, it's the exact same situation, but you just have three guys that aren't doing it instead of one. Yeah, really. Um, but yeah, it, it, interesting to see where Boston goes. I do think they take a step back, but again, it's I'm always betting on Boston to take a step back. Yeah. And then I guess next is number three, which I have is being Toronto. As fun as, as it is to clown on Toronto, they are still a good, a re- really good team. Like they realistically should have been the team to come out of the North this year. Like they were by far the, oh, a point. They were by far the best team in Canada this year. Yep. But so this is just regular season. Like playoffs, I still can't see them doing much of anything. But regular season, like Campbell emerged as a legit starter this year. Like they still got like Matthews, Marner, Nylander. And they have some like Hyman's probably gone. But if they, I know this is the rumor they may move Morgan Riley, which I think is the smart move, especially depending on what you can get and maybe even sign Doug Hamilton with that cap space if they want to just go all in on the big contract guys. But they're going to be a good team regardless of what they do. Like when you have a guy that can get six, potentially 60 goals, like you're going to be a, a damn good team. 
Yeah, absolutely. And especially a guy that can pass to anybody to get 60 goals. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's a really good fit uh, for that team. Like that team is built really well, just not for the playoffs. And from a hockey fan perspective, it's really frustrating to see a team that like they have all of this star power and they just can't put it all together. Like figure it out, Toronto. And like as an Ottawa fan, don't figure it out. I want to keep laughing at you, but (laughs) I, I don't know. Like, and especially that Zach Hyman is leaving. I don't like that. I think, Six million is too much for Zach Hyman, which is what he's going to get. But I don't know. You got to let him walk at that point, but you're also yeah. losing a huge piece letting Hyman walk. So I don't know. Yeah, you that's... can sign Hyman for six million, or you can sign Hall for seven. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, they got some interesting things. And like, I think Kerfoot goes in the expansion draft, so that frees up another 3.5 for them. Yeah. And, and they get with the Batuzzi rumors that I mentioned earlier with Detroit. Like he, Bertuzzi's basically a younger Hyman that probably has a bit more upside, but he has that back surgery. So it's like, how much do you really give for that guy that hasn't didn't play all year? So I think Bertuzzi, if healthy, is a perfect fit to Toronto. So I'd hate to see them get him because I love Bertuzzi and I don't want to cheer against him. I'm also a big fan of Bertuzzi. Well, Um, he's a a gem. But yeah, it would be a good fit from a hockey standpoint. Like a line of Bertuzzi, Matthews, and Marner, that would just, that would be dominant. Um, Yeah, that'd be amazing. And then, I don't know, below that, like, other than your big four, like, Toronto doesn't have anybody, though. Like, Mikheyev, no. Engvall, Simmons, Spezza. No, they, they're not their bargain bin. Yeah, no, I have no idea about Patan anymore. But they, they have to bargain bin shop, and, like, maybe they bring Gilchenyuk back, who, for as much as people hyped up that he was rebuilt by Toronto, like, I still don't think he did too great. Like, he was good, but he wasn't amazing. Yeah. And then, like, they have options, and like maybe someone like Robertson makes that jump next year and becomes a top six player, which is a big risk on a team that's trying to contend to have like your hopes and dreams pegged on one rookie. Like, if he doesn't pan out, then you have a giant hole in your lineup. And that's the scary thing about banking on prospects. And like, we do it too for Ottawa. It's like hoping like someone like Shane Pinto, that's our second line center. If he struggles, we don't have a second line center now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so banking um, on prospects is always scary. Oh, yeah. And, like, we know it first. Like, look at Logan Brown. We've been doing it for years now. I'm still doing it. I still yeah. think you can do it. Like, it. It would be amazing if Logan Brown could come in and be a 3C and push even white down to the 4 slot. So, I don't know. One of these days. One of these days, maybe. Um, so, yeah, who do you got at number two? It's tough because I love – it's both Florida teams, obviously. And I'm going to go – if they do everything right, like I can't see, I can't see Tampa not being number one. So I have the Panthers at number two, and this I can see them being a lot lower if they're if they're dumb and have Bobrovsky as the starter. Yeah. If they if they even though they're paying them all that money, suck it up, Florida. You now have a ten point five million backup. Like he's yeah. not going to be a starting goal. He should not be the starting goalie next year. Like Spencer Knight looked legit this year. And I don't know what's going on with Drieger, but they should really try to like keep him or at least like get assets for him. Because I don't know what you do with that Bobrovsky contract. But everyone else on that team, like Ekblad was potentially a Norris-level guy this year before his injury. Yep. Uyghur stepped up and was amazing. And then like, even guys like they brought in, Duclair was a good fit. For Hague, he came out of nowhere and was amazing. And then they got 
with Bennett at the deadline was a perfect fit and like yep. realized his potential finally. And then you still got Barkov and Huberto just tearing up the league. Like I don't see how Florida takes that step back. Yeah, like, I think I, they're consistently going to be a top team now. Yeah, and that would be great to see. I mean, they're down at the bottom with Toronto for playoff win or playoff series wins over the last 20 years with zero. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, it's really weird because uh, I was looking at it today and I think Florida is in the top five uh, for the odds to win the Stanley Cup. And I just find it hilarious because, and so is Toronto. Neither of them have even won one series in 20 years. Yeah, that seems a bit far-fetched. Like, they're both <laughs> really good teams, but until they prove something in the playoffs, like people are going to have their doubts. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, we just talked a lot about Tampa, but if you want to add a few things. Um, no, I think we pretty much covered Tampa fully. Like as long as they have a strong offseason, which I have every faith or like I have no reason to doubt Breezeball. Like I think he's gonna have a good offseason. He's probably gonna fleece someone into take paying for Tyler Johnson's contract and we'll yeah. be like, How do you do that? And it's because it's Tampa, he wins. But yeah. they're gonna be a good team as long as he's smart and like he's a smart guy. He, they're gonna be a good team next year. Yeah, and I mean look at what happened with um Blake Coleman. Uh like they paid so much for him, and but he was worth it. Like he came mm-hmm. in and he didn't put up the seventy points that you paid for, like value wise. But he added so much that this team needed and was a huge part of even the back to back Stanley Cups. So, oh for sure, um, for sure. You see him way overpaying for the player, but what you get is a complete team that wins back to back Stanley Cups. So yep. it, it's really tough when you're looking at trades like that because. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's huge um, props to Breesbaugh for what he does, and I'm sure that he'll have no problem figuring it out this offseason. Yeah, when you win the Stanley Cup, like you can't complain about overpaying for assets. Like, yeah, a first for Barclay Goudreau, that's definitely an overpay. Yeah. And a first and a good prospect in Nolan Foot for uh, Coleman, probably a bit of an overpay. But when you win two back-to-back, when you win back-to-back Cups, like everyone can screw off. You're two times champs. Like, you yeah, do that's- well. That's what it's all for. Those like, those first round picks aren't going to win you a cup. Like that's why Kucherov was having his little blackout drunk presser the other like after he wins because back to back champs like you can't say anything about him. He can trash you all he wants, which I don't know if we want to talk about that. But that press conference was amazing. Like I loved that press conference. It was. Let's talk about that for a second. So yeah, awesome. If if you didn't see Nikita Kucherov comes out no shirt on, Bud Light in his hand, and as we're introducing hammered. him. As they're introducing him, he's just like cheering himself on and saying, "Go me!" Pounding. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> it was hilarious to watch. And as they start asking the questions, he's just like, "Come on, ask me how I'm feeling." Come on, like he, he's just ready. He embraced it so well, and then he made the one comment that turned the whole hockey world upside down. And yeah, I'll, so I'll get the quote up right here, unless you have it. Yeah, I I'd have to paraphrase a bit, but he bit, he was asked about what it feels like to win back to back cups, and he went on talking about how Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the world, which he is. He is the best goalie in the world, and then he criticized that guy in that guy in Vegas, whoever that is, winning the Vesna over him. So doesn't even say Flurry's name. So just complete disrespect, and then takes a shot at Hellebuck, and some other guy wins it the year before. So two shots at two really good goalies, which I'm all for. Like you're hyping up your boy in Vasilevsky. Just go full. Oh, absolutely. Heels. Say I mean, what you want. Just like, the cons might, so. Yeah, he's amazing. And then he takes a shot at the Hab fans by saying they celebrated the game four win like they won the Stanley Cup. And you couldn't believe it. And he was kind of and then he said that their their Stanley Cup was winning the round before beating Vegas. 
Yeah. And he kind of trailed off there because other questions are getting asked. But those two comments about not naming Flurry and the disrespect to him and saying to have fans were over celebratory, which I love that stuff in hockey. Hockey needs more heels and more personality. And like, he didn't say anything disrespect, like, well, disrespectful, yeah, but not offensive or offside. He wasn't saying anything like, okay, you got to calm down. It was, he was trashing the fan, like fans and, te- and players. Yeah, like, he didn't cross any lines by any means. And, like, it's stuff like the the Ryan Reeves and the Evander Kane stuff. Like, we love to see it. Um, Obviously, they're always bantering to each other. Just, like, they never really crossed the line, though. Like, and which is really weird because that's two two players who always cross the line. Um, But, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. they just – they keep it at a very normal but very, I don't know, entertaining, I guess, is the word for it. Um, but yeah, just it provides more content for the fans. Yeah, like and hockey needs, like I said, hockey needs more of this. Like you look at the NBA and the NFL, and even MLB now with guys like Nick Castellanos, like these trash talkers and these like, heels that everyone just hates. It makes the league. It brings in views and attention because you got like Bud Light now, like doing that signing with with uh, Kucherov. It's like, hey, like this guy's awesome, and like people are seeing this. Like non hockey fans are seeing this shirtless Russian guy. It just talks complete smack to like half the league, and like that's awesome. Like, you, like what? What's going on here? Like that brings in attention. People want to watch it. Like you know, everyone's going to be watching the first Tampa Montreal game now. Oh, absolutely. Like it, it's, it's the sports better when you have these like heels rivals and just like it, it makes it more fun. It's an entertainment business at the end of the day. So like I'm entertained by John Kucherov. Well, yeah, it's and it, like another perfect example. Like I want to know the the broadcasting statistics uh, for the games that were between the Rangers and the Devils uh, when it was Broder and Avery. Oh, for sure. Like Avery, they hated each other. Yeah. And like if, what Avery saying in the lineups, like, yeah, fat soul didn't want to shake my hand. Yeah. Like just called one of the best goal, basically the best goalie of all time. He's called him fat on yeah. national TV to Avery. who was never more. He, he was a decent player, but he was also a complete piece. Like no one liked him. Yeah. But no, yeah. that stuff like people love. Yeah, and, like, it gets people watching the game and, like, uh, even going on YouTube. Like, I'll watch the, I, I don't know, there's, like, a 23-minute video about the whole rivalry between Avery and Broder and, like, there's stuff like that. Like, and Lemieux and, well, everybody in the league, really. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, it's just great to watch. And Marty McSorley, just the personalities. Uh, obviously, some of those guys I even cross a lot of lines. But um, with the banter and stuff, they never really did. Like, they just publicly made it good to watch hockey so i don't know just no, my thoughts uh, yeah love to see it i understand why Habs fans are mad but get over it like he won the cup yeah like and i don't want to get into this too deep but we're calling him classless after the celebrate celebration um a couple weeks ago that's just don't um, yeah like it's Colin classes, and then like the entire insult is, oh, they don't know what a classy fan base is. Like their fan base isn't like they don't have a fan base. It's like, well, it's not very classy of you, Montreal, to trash their fan base. Like yeah. let drunk Kutrov have his like five minutes of fun. He's drunk. He's tired. Whatever. I understand that you're upset. I'd be upset too if Kutrov was chirping the Sens fan base if they beat Ottawa for whatever reason. Yeah. But it it makes it like now Kutrov is a hate like a hated person in the league, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I don't get it at all. Yeah, he, he didn't do anything wrong. Leave him alone. <laughs> um, oh, I love it. But yeah, so uh, we can move on uh, to some actual Ottawa stuff. Uh, that'll be fun. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, 
So what do you want your protection list to look like? So I don't know if you know who's exempt or not. Uh, or no, I, the guys that I have the expansion draft thing up here, so I can double check, okay. but I have a pretty good idea. So, okay, so uh, yeah, if you want to run through your uh, every, every single Ottawa fan knows that Pierre Dorian is going to choose seven, three and one. Um, yep. We don't even hardly have three defensemen to protect. So we're not going to go for four and lose two forwards. So exactly. Uh, yeah, so if you want to start with your 7-3-1, and one, and I'll quickly go over mine afterwards. Okay, so I'm going to start with the goalie because it's the easiest um, part to start with. And I'm protecting Gustafson. He has the higher pedigree. Like, Murray has the bad contract, and not bad, but expensive contract and the inconsistent play. And, like, the injury history. Decord, he was a bit older than Gustafson and also has that injury. Gustafson just comes in with that high pedigree. He's kind of the first piece of the rebuild, like part of the Broussard trade. And in the, he was the best goalie statistically and just eye test for Ottawa this year. And he's by far the youngest one that played. So I don't see how Gustafson is exposed. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Then on defense, like I think the obvious two for pretty much everyone is Shabbat and Mate. Like Shabbat's no brainer. Yeah. He's one of the best young defensemen in the league. Mete came in, and the team was noticeably better with him in the lineup. He's young. He's a lot of experience in the NHL. Like, losing him for free makes no sense. And then, so the other two options is Josh Brown and Nikita Zaitsev. And this one, I don't think there's a wrong choice. I went with Zaitsev just because Josh Brown's a fine seventh defenseman that can fill in the bottom pair if there's an injury or to give someone an off day. But Zaitsev, I think the, he is overpaid a bit. But I think at heart, he is an overpaid third-parent defenseman. And even if you leave him exposed, Seattle's not touching that contract. So exposing him really does nothing. Yeah. And they, he is seen as a leader in this room, if Sens fans like it or not. So like, I know there's people that hate him, some people that love him. But like the team loves him. Like He was wearing an A for the Sens when Shabbat went down. Yeah. Like He is seen as a leader in that room. So I don't... And, it's, it doesn't really matter between the two. I don't think either of them get protected anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Zaitsev is one of the more underrated defensemen. Um, it, not underrated, but uh, overhated, I guess, uh, in the league almost. Um, the, the contract isn't bad, um, especially with the term left on it. Like, there's only three years left on it. Um, and I, I don't know. He was pretty sound almost all year. Uh, all year I was waiting for the well, there he is moment, and it just it never really showed up. So um, <clears throat> protecting Zaitsev, I think, is the right call because y- y- you can trust him, and it, the contract might be a little bad. It's not hurting us any. Um, he's not complaining about it, and he's playing fine, so I don't know. Yeah, no, and what makes bad contracts is not necessarily the actual money on it. It's the team that has it. So if we were like, yeah. tr- if Toronto stole the Zaitsev contract, it'd be terrible because they need that cap space. For Ottawa, we don't need that cap space anytime soon. And, like, for now, he probably shouldn't be playing in the top four. But he's, like, hope, like I think the plan is to get a top four guy to play with Shabbat in the, sometime this offseason, maybe even before the expansion draft. But, um, like, so try and pick someone from another team. But, uh, have he's fine right now. I think he's just a slightly, not even slightly, he's a bit of an overpaid third-pairing defenseman. Like, I would love to see what Zaitsev can do in, like, a role where it's, like, 15 minutes a night playing PK. Yeah, absolutely. And 
if contra- if Zaitsev's contract was up this year and we re-signed him to a, a one-year $3 million, like, I wouldn't even be mad. Like, oh, for sure. obviously, probably you don't want to re-sign him. You might want to find an upgrade, uh, especially in free agency. But, like, yeah, even if we gave him, like, a one- or two-year $3 million, I wouldn't even be mad right now, so. Yeah, I guess until, like, we start paying, like, the young guys and, like, the cap space we need every like like oh we can't overpay by like a five hundred thousand here like we need every inch of cap space until then like the Ottawa doesn't have any bad contracts until they become issues yeah exactly okay um, so then so going to the forwards i guess i'll just go first here so uh, do you have gustafson shabbat zaitsev and mate as well i do perfect okay so we'll see if we change up on forwards so i'll just go through my list right now um i got dad i'm protecting dad enough yeah, I think he was a bit disappointing. Just like I mean, he's probably the first one to admit it. Only the one power play assist, and that was like the third game of the year. But I think he is due for the bounce back. Like if anyone's into analytics, like his analytics was still pretty good. Like he was pretty good defensively. Shooting percentage is about average, like his career average. So I think just once he gets better, more accustomed to the line mates, and like I love Colin White and Nick Paul, but they're steps down from Barkov and Huberto. Oh, absolutely. So it's not a surprise he took a step back, but like he is the type of guy that Seattle, I think, would 100% take him, like a proven 25 goal scorer that's due for a bounce back. So, and like like I said, it was same, similar to Zaitsev. Yeah, like it doesn't look great with the year he had the five million, yeah. but that's also hindsight because when the contract was signed, it was seen as a great thing. So I think it also is a bad message. The like the biggest free agent we've had in years comes here and we immediately ship him out. I just think it sends a bad message to the room. Absolutely. Okay. Then next, probably another controversial one. I have Colin White getting protected. Similar thing. People don't like the contract. And probably he's probably overpaid at this point by about a million bucks or so. Yeah. But he's also – he's had injuries the last few years. He is – it gets an overused term, but he is the glue guy of this team. Like you hear any interviews like on Wally Mathot or just interviews on whatever media outlet. Like they always talk and chirping about Colin White. Like he is the guy. Like he's the first to chirp you. He's the first yeah. to get chirped. Like this guy, and he's—I'd have to look it up, but he's probably one of the longest tenured guys in this team now, which is crazy. Yeah. Like he is—he is a veteran and a leader on this team, and he's the type of guy that can easily. He's only twenty-four. Like he can still easily bounce back. And worst case, if he still struggles next year, since he's under the age of twenty-six, you can buy him out for one third of the cost instead of two. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so if he's so right now his contract's four point seven five. Anyone under the age of twenty six, if they're bought out, it's usually uh, two thirds of the value you have to pay out. Anyone under twenty six, it's only one third. Hmm. So that's yeah. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Yeah, so that's just a worst case thing, which I don't see happening. Like White still, like I see White if he's a fifteen goal guy, like forty plus points and solid defensively, I'm happy with his play. Yeah, and. I think that's pretty much the expectation now. Um, again, like you said, that little bit of overpayment, but yeah, he was coming off of a ELC. Mark Stone year. And, yeah, his Mark Stone year. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, it is what it is. It's only well, it's another four years, but so I don't yeah, know. it's a bit long. But like, like I said, like until we start, and by the time his contract's up, like Dadnoff's off the books, Murray's off the books, Zaitsev would be off the books. And hope there's probably a few, someone else. I know I'm missing someone else, but it's not the end of the world. White's contract, and he's still young. Like potentially, like you mentioned, DeBrusque before. Like that could be a potential trade target because White is from Boston, and DeBrusque plays that style, that physical game that DJ likes. Yep. So that that could be like a potential hockey trade right there. So yeah. like he still has value. 
So losing for Freeman makes no sense to me. Okay. Then this one's obvious. Connor Brown, like guy led the team in goals this year. Just two way monster. Major on the PK. Just the type of guy who gives his effort 100, 110% of the time. So like I don't see a world where Connor Brown's exposed. Then just going down my list here. Uh, oops, I went too far. Nick Paul, similar thing, very cheap and very good contract. And a great story for the team, too. A guy that grinded his way through the system, like never give up that attitude. Started wearing an A throughout the year. Amazing defensively and on the PK. Turnover, like, well, takeaway machine. Good on the forecheck, physical. Stands up for his team. Like, losing this guy for free makes no sense either. Yeah. And then Brady Kachuk, like, no-brainer. He's potential, probably the future captain of this team. Does it all. I have another one that's probably a bit controversial. I have... Uh, Logan Brown, just because Logan Brown's value is at its lowest that it would ever be, especially with the injuries, and he's looking more and more like a potential bust. So I think just losing him for free just makes no sense to give him a one more year and that at the point, because right now, at best, you're going to lose him for free to Seattle, or you're maybe getting a third-round pick for him. Yeah. So he, he's more valuable to Ottawa than to other teams. So selling him at his lowest. And if he stays healthy, like he potentially, he still has the skill to be a second line center if he can stay healthy, which is well, yeah. the huge question. For him. He played 13 games in Belleville and he, he put up nine points. Like, yeah, and that was on a bad Belleville team to start the year. Like, I think most of those games were at the start when that yeah. team was terrible. But yeah, Logan Brown makes no sense to get rid of him. Like, I, would not be surprised if he's part of a trade to get in like a veteran defenseman or center. Like I'm not like, I still like Logan Brown and wherever he goes, I'll be a fan of his, but losing him for free. I'm just not a big fan of at the moment. And then the last spot, obviously is Batherson still an RFA needs a contract, but he's legit top six right winger and he's a good East coast, East coast boy. Yeah, absolutely. Gotta love them. Um, <laughs> we, we raise him good out here. Yeah. Um, I believe that's all my guys. Yeah. Yep, so I will, um, the obvious ones, uh, Connor Brown, Nick Paul, Brady Kachuk, and Drake Batherson. Uh, yeah, um, I think those are the four locks that everyone agrees with. Yeah, and so then it pretty much comes down to Dadanov, Colin White, uh, Austin Watson, and Logan Brown. Yeah. I, I, I have Dadanov uh, for all the same reasons as you. His five-on-five stats were actually quite well this year. Um, yeah. pretty much on par with everything like every year before it was just the power play that obviously he dropped the ball on so um yeah yeah five on five on five playing with Colin white and Nick Paul good for you um because like you said that's a huge downgrade um but yeah still producing with them great and I really liked him on that third line so yeah um, even, he played his best hockey when he was on the fourth line of Venisimov yeah it's exactly. the weird Russian connection crazy. like I think he's the type of guy that can just elevate guys. Like White and Paul are very good defensive players. Maybe not the off, they definitely not the upside of Huberto or Barkov. But yeah. yeah, I don't get moving Dadanov for nothing right now. He's due for a bounce back. Yeah, no, me either. So I, I do have Dadanov protected. Um, I do have Colin White protected as well for all the same reasons. Um, it's it's not that bad of a contract to keep. Um, I, I also wouldn't really see him being a guy they take either. Um, but I yeah. Don't know, um, there's not much that I'm upset about uh, keeping him protected. And then for my last guy, um, I went with Austin Watson. And okay. simply because if you look at Boston, so if we were the expansion team, are you going to take Zach Seneshin, even if he's 6'6"? 
or Jacob Zaboral. Is Senishin six six? No, like, <laughs> if, he was, okay. like if he was like Logan Brown, like you're Probably not gonna not. take him anyway. So uh, that's the way I look at it. I I really don't see a world where Seattle looks at Logan Brown unless they look at it as oh well, look at William Carlson. So uh, depending on what way they look at it, because yeah, I I wouldn't want to take Zaboral or Senishin from Boston. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see who gets protected. Uh, I do think Watson, especially at one and a half million dollars for another two years, that's just great value. Um, and not on the market, but to your team. Um, and he could be a guy that a team like Tampa would pay first and Nolan foot for. Like if he's really having a year, like you never know. A team might need a guy and want to go get that guy. Um, and I don't see Logan Brown being that guy ever. So. No, for sure. Like, Logan Brown definitely has the upside over Watson, but Watson at this point is a proven NHL player, while Logan Brown is still a big old question mark. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, you bring up a good point. Like, Watson, like, say Ottawa struggles next year, and a team like Tampa needs their next Barkley Goodrow. Like, hey, Ottawa, that guy signed for two years cheap. We'll give you a first in this, like, sexy new prospect for him. Yeah, exactly. And, again, he's not worth a first, but that hole in Tampa might be worth a first. So he's he's worth a playoff first round pick. He's like a yeah. next league pick. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one thing, and I I saw this on Instagram today. I'm not going to say who, so everybody doesn't go bash them. <laughs> um, but somebody uh, said that protecting Stepan is one of is like something they would do as a that's got to be as a send fan page. That's got to be a troll because Stepan's an expiring UFA and. He played like 10 games for us. I know. And they were justifying themselves talking about how uh, he'll make a great fourth line center for this team uh, and this and that. And I could I could see a world where he does resign and does play a, an Artemanisimov role like he like was played this year. But I'd rather just have an Isimov back. Really? I'd rather, I love the Artie party. <laughs> I, I do too. I think. I think I would rather step on than an Um Boo. But either way, um, just slow and old characters, and I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's that's our protection list. Um, pretty much identical. Yeah, pretty well. Uh, we just have Watson and Brown flipped. Um, yeah, and, and the only other interesting one I think is probably worth noting is Tyranny's hopefully the target that is gone. Like I like him; he's a solid player. He's an NHL player, and he I think is the one that's going to get taken. And the only other one that some people may want to protect is Abramov, which I was on that fence too. I was like, probably protect, I want to protect Abramov. But now that he signed back in the KHL for two years, I don't see why they'd waste a pick on a guy that they won't have for at least two years. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I was on board for protecting Abramov, but I don't know. After this year, not anymore. signing in the KHL, now is not the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so real quickly, um, there's a lot of players that are on the trade block. Um, and so maybe, maybe not necessarily the obvious ones like, um, it, well, Hamilton's rights, at least, uh, Morgan Riley, Jack Eichel, all that, um, between some of the s- smaller level guys, um, it feels weird to say with some of the people on this list. Um, but like Tarasenko, Christian Dvorak, uh, Seth Jones, Duncan Keith, Cole Reiner, Cole Reiner, <laughs> uh, Sam Reinhart, and uh, Dylan Strom. Uh, those guys are all very publicly on the trading block. Um, so, which of them do you think would be the best target for Ottawa? 
or if there's somebody else. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at a list of a few of them right now. So I think the, I'll get the ones that I'm not interested in out of the way. Like Tarasenko, no. Like, I don't think he's a good fit at all. Like, A, he's worth more than his contract is. I think he's old 9.5. And we know Melnick's not paying that. Plus, he has all the injury issues and whatnot. But look at a few. Like, Keith, no. Uh, Jones, I think I like Jones, but I think he's a tad overrated. And I, I personally wouldn't want to pay what Columbus is asking for him. Yeah. But, um, the ones that interest me, I think the best fit but he's probably the most expensive realistic target is Sam Reinhardt. Yep. It's from Buffalo. So I don't know how Buffalo feels training for the divisional rival, but like, I think Reinhardt, he's young enough in age that he's like, I think he's a year older than Shabbat and he just had his best offense ceiling on a terrible Buffalo team. And yeah. I think this year, like mo- last few years, he was on the wing because of Eichel, but this year he went back to his natural center position with him out and he played amazing. So he's definitely the, probably the most expensive one, like for cost to acquire. But I think he's the most worth it and probably the best now. And he's a goal scorer. Odd when he's goal scores. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, in terms of the people I listed off, I think Dvorak, uh, Reinhardt, and Strom—they uh, make the list for me. Three good centers. Yeah, um, same, same for me. And everything you said about Reinhardt, uh, he's he's on an expiring deal this year. Uh, and I think he's coming off of a $5.1 million contract. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think he signed a one-year at the start of the year. Um, yeah. And Christian Dvorak, he signed for another four years at four point something. Um, but right around that Colin White contract. And I, I, I don't know. Dvorak is a really weird name because a lot of people are calling about him right now. But I don't see him being that much of a step up from a guy like Colin White. Um, and especially with the contract being very similar, um, I'd have to look at the production. Uh, yeah, I'm looking play. at it right now, and like this past season on a me- me- mediocre Arizona, 56 games where he played every game was healthy. He got 17 goals, 31 points. So, okay, pretty pretty decent production. Like he's just he's a good player. Like he's always been around like 40 points. Like this is probably his best year this year. Okay, so yeah, he's worth kicking tires for. I could see him filling in that two C spot. Um, beside, well, depending on how the lines get jumbled with some chemistry and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Beside like Connor Brown and Tim Stutzel, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Dylan Strom, all the same reasons. Um, he there's rumors of him be, uh, coming out of Chicago. So um, yeah, like yeah, I think I all know. those like the younger centers, like the one that's um, like I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before, but the Henrik option, trying to get him yep. retained from Anaheim, especially after the World Championships. That ever since I saw that article, I'm like, man, I low key want that now and him retained because he probably wouldn't cost a lot to get. But yeah. a few of the other options, because I think center is probably the biggest area of need. Like if you can get it, get it, Dorian. But a few of the defense guys, like especially for guys that may be claimed in the expansion draft. Like everyone's talked about Matt Dumba and like he yeah. would be an amazing fit, but like I can't really think of anyone else off the top of my head. Like, other like Josh Manson was included in the article with Henry, yeah. so I think Manson would be a really good fit. And I think the ask for him at the deadline was a first in the prospect, which that ask is going to be down now because when you make that trade at the deadline, you get him for the rest of the season plus playoffs. Now you just yeah. get him for one year instead of a year and a half. Yeah, exactly. So um, if they get Manson. Like I'd be, I'd be happy. Yeah, 
and another few names worth mentioning is the entire right D of Tampa. So some of <laughs> <laughs> some of McDonough, Ruda, Chernak, uh, Foot. Some of them are going to be for sale. Um, Yan Ruda is probably at the bottom of that list, uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. Even Yan Ruda would be a good partner for Shabbat. So yeah, like he just uh, proved he can play for McDonough or not McDonough, uh, Headman, who's probably the best all-around defenseman in the league. So yeah. if he can play with Headman, he can play with Shabbat. Yeah, but exactly. Like the obviously the one I want, obviously, like I've loved this guy for years is Chernak, but he's probably the one that's going to cost the most to get because he's on a very decent contract, and like he's an, he's a great player. Cal Foot's the one I'm really interested in because. Chernak and Ruda are signed next year. So I think the plan is, and Savard's, I assume, is just going to leave. So I think the plan is to get foot like into the top six. But with Tampa having to probably get rid of some of their contracts that we mentioned before, like I can see foot being the sweetener in that deal. Yeah, absolutely. And so even yeah. if they have to move on from one, like we were talking about earlier, um, Gord or Kalorn or Johnson, or even if it's Palat, just somebody. Um, somebody's gonna have to go in even I mean Sorelli's on a really good deal, but I'm sure everybody below the top four big guys is oh, yeah. uh, they're at least gonna answer the phone. So, yeah, everyone's um, got a price. Yeah, if you can work a deal out that you take on, I don't know, they don't have any bad contracts, but no. Tyler Johnson's probably their worst, and you get Sorelli and Calfoot for I don't know, a second round pick and Logan Brown. Yeah, like you probably have to give up more than that because like two of those are positive assets. Yeah. Like the one I look at is like we're taking Andy Gord off your hands. Like he's a good player, proven player. Don't cow foot in, and we'll give you like uh, a second round pick this year, and next year. Like yeah. you get two decent assets for, and we Ottawa gets a former first round pick, potential top four defenseman, and a piece of shit <laughs> forward to play against that fits the Ottawa style perfectly. Exactly, and like we all saw that watching the finals, so. Yeah, and, and also he's a Quebecois player, so that's always a nice thing in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, so we can wrap this up real quick with one last kind of talking point. Uh, with all the players that have played in our system, who plays the most games next year that hasn't played in the NHL? So we'll go less than five games because guys like Parker Kelly played one last year. Um, but I, I have a list here of probably the most likely candidates. Um, and so I did include Sanderson on this list because if he comes in at the end of the year and you don't think any of these guys have a good shot, he's probably yeah, going to be playing in the, in the like NHL. 20 games or something. Um, so Sokolov, uh, Parker Kelly, Cole Reinhardt, Mark Kostelik, uh, Jake Sanderson, Angus Cruikshank, Ridley Gregg, and Lassie Thompson. Okay, so out of those ones, do you have Bernard Docker on that list as well? Uh, he, he played five this year. That's why oh, I put true. the number yeah. at five because he's like right on that border of either going to be in the okay. NHL all nope. year or, yeah. Honestly, I forgot he played that many. I thought he was healthy scratch pretty much the entire <laughs> year. But um, out of those guys, who who's going to play the most? Yeah. So the injuries always happen. Like, we were actually pretty lucky last year outside of gold. We didn't have too many injuries. But we're probably not going to be that lucky last year, which sucks. Yeah. Or this year coming. But uh, the one I'm I'm really torn between two, I think the one that's more obvious, and I think you're probably going to lean this way, is Parker Kelly. Yeah. 
like he just fits that because I look at someone like Sokolov and and Crookshank and Greg, like they could play a bottom six role, but they're probably more suited for an offensive oriented role. And I don't see who they necessarily beat out in our top nine as of now. But Kelly's the type of guy, like you can plug him in on the fourth line of Watson and just cause in like because I think I don't know if Kelly still plays center. I know he did in the WHL, but I think he's been mostly a wing in Belleville. Yep. So I'd be interested if he can play center if someone like Tierney's gone. But yeah, I would love to have a fourth line of Watson, Formanton, and Kelly. That'd just be so annoying. And they all all of them can skate, all of them love to stir it up, all of them can hit. And like Formanton's honestly could be the fastest guy in the entire league. Yeah. So and then you got Watson who just apparently loves eating pucks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And Kelly is like the worst person everyone knows. So yeah. like he got real acquainted with like Muzzin and Simmons and all of them in that last game. So my money's on Kelly, and I'm gonna give an honorable mention to Thompson, just because out of those guys, like defensive injuries happen. And I think Thompson's like not including Bernard Docker because of requirement. But I think Thompson, especially because some people are really like hot and cold on him as a prospect. I think you get him to the NHL, see what you got with him. Yeah, he's gonna get a t- he's gonna get a cup of coffee eventually. Like he's gonna get a few games. Same for like Sokolov, Will, Greg will probably get a few. But out of I think Kelly's the best bet, especially if there's an injury like if Watson gets hurt again, like because yep. he probably won't. He blocks shots and fights all the time. <laughs> but so if one to, event, hopefully he doesn't go down. But if he does, I think Kelly is like the perfect Watson replacement. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm gonna go with Kelly. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think it's very situational, like you were saying. Um, in terms of defensemen, uh, I Thompson, I could see playing about 20 games next year, same as Sanderson, uh, depending on when he comes over. So yeah. that's kind of a toss-up. It all depends on Sanderson's year next year. Um, yeah. But in terms of uh, up front, Parker Kelly, you're 100% right. If we lose a role player, then he's going to be the first guy they call. Uh, but if we lose... Uh, a Batherson, like if he breaks his ankle for uh, like six weeks or whatever the heel time would be. Uh, Sokolov is 100% getting the call. Um, if any offense, if any producers uh, go down, then it's going to be Sokolov coming up. Yeah. Um, and it, he 100% proved it. Um, and like we look at uh, how Troy Mann talked about Ridley Gregg, like he's a very good candidate as well. Um, he's very high on him. And it, yeah, I don't know. I think my bet would be Sokolov for the most games played. Uh, but, yeah, it's all very dependent. So, I don't know. Yeah, and, like, the, like the guys are going to get their cups of coffee, like, depending on, like, injuries down Belleville and Ottawa. Like, someone like Mark Castellick could get a call up and be great because he looks like he could be, like, in a few years, be the new fourth-line center, the new Zach Smith. Yeah, but. Exactly. So you got you got like this thing like we've talked about this a bunch before. Like Ottawa's got a ton of these like depth role prospects, like high, probably higher end, but like these guys all have NHL floors. Like I wouldn't be surprised that Kastlik makes it, Reinhardt, Kelly, Crookshank, Greg, like Crookshank and Greg have higher ceilings. Yeah. So, but I would love to see all of these guys get some time next year. But Kelly, for me, I think Sokolov, he deserves the shot. And like he's, he could also play a bomb six role because he does have that physical attribute. And like I'm sure he like he would love just to go around and just run over dudes. But I would love to see like I want my I want Sokolov's first shift ever to be on a line with Batherson. I just want yeah. that connection out there. Like they gotta play together. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and especially like the same billet mom and everything. Like oh man, if she story. if she came to the first game, like came from Cape Breton down, uh, dream come oh, true. 
she 100 would be i know uh ashley ashley's daughter especially loves sokolov so um, oh yeah I, i'm sure that something would be figured out there um but yeah i don't uh i don't have anything else to really add for this week you um off the top of my head no i think that's about it perfect it, it's really slow time for news um this next yeah. couple of weeks is going to be a lot busier uh we've got some pre-recorded videos ready to come out on youtube uh we're probably going to figure out a few live streaming stuff and we'll keep up with the podcast so uh i really appreciate everybody coming to listen and if you're here on youtube thanks for watching um, and I want to give a quick shout out to the Future Sickos podcast because they are having uh, Ottawa Senators GM Pierre Dorian on their podcast next week. That's awesome. Uh, actually, in a couple days now on July 13th. So, um, yeah, I they didn't ask me to do this or anything, but uh, yeah, shout out to them. Make sure you go follow them and check out their uh, interview with Dorian because that'll be they're really live streaming that, aren't they? Isn't it going to be uh, live? I think it's going to be live. I'm not 100% sure, but... Oh, um, I'm excited for that, though. Be uh, it'll be really fun. And a lot of familiar faces if you've been around the New Era Hockey Network a while. Um, over there, we have Nick. Uh, there's Brendan and Derek and Jack. So, yeah, they're going to do a great job. Um, so, yeah, make sure you check them out. Make sure you check out all the other New Era Hockey Network content. Um, and, yeah, look forward to our next episode. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming to watch. And thanks for talking, Jordan. Yeah, no problem. Can't wait for the next one, and see you guys later.